All right. Good morning, everybody. Again, I'm Pastor Perry, one of the associate pastors here at the church, and it is always a privilege to be here to all of those watching online as well. So glad to have you on here. If nobody else, I always have some family watching from downstate and uh, one family member out in Kansas that watches. And so Aunt Peggy, if you're out there in Kansas during this service, hello. But glad to have all of you here today. What a wonderful spring morning. The Now, it's kind of cold, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Speaking a little faith here that, of that, but it's always a privilege. We do have a, a few things. We're going to start a brand new series, The God of Miracles, and I'm excited to kick this off for you today. Pastor Mike will be back next week and uh, uh, sharing the Word of God, but I am, I am thrilled to be able to, to, to start this out. Miracles, the God of miracles. But before, just let's, let's reiterate this. Special needs Easter egg hunt, April the 9th. Uh, go to truelife.church, serve team if you would like to help. I'm going to tell you what, there's no excuse. You should help. It is life-changing. The couple that I've helped at have been amazing. Uh, I can remember I, I, I hosted uh, a family and the two years I ended up hosting the same family for two years and just fell in love with the little girl and uh, watching her get those eggs that had to help her uh, get them but the smile on her face and uh, to walk in the room and to help in the room just for a second with the actually just kind of observing um, with the needs of, of the visually impaired and watching this young man who could not see at all. Uh, go in with a little chirping eggs and, and feel his way around the room until, uh, until he could hear one and pick it up. And he always had this really stern look on his face. And he would pick the egg up. And when he put it to his ear, this, this huge smile would come across his face and put it in there. And, you know, I, I may have, I know you guys, you know me, I don't cry that much. Uh, I may have been sobbing that day. I cry all the time. Uh, what am I talking about? Uh, it, it is just, it's so fun. Uh, so volunteer, come out uh, and, and help that day. Sign up though if you would do that. Also, right around the corner, Easter. Uh, you need to make plans to be here April the 17th, 8.30, 10 and 11.30. Um, if you're inviting somebody, whatever service they can come to, Come to that service with them, sit with them, make them feel at home. But if, if you don't have anybody coming to a particular service, if you can and you're a regular here, try to hit that 8.30 service just because I believe, I really do believe, we're going to be packed out and setting chairs out. So, so let's do that. And uh, what can I do to help? Well, serve. Come to one service, serve another service, maybe serve two services. Find out where the need's at, fill that need. But there's some other things you can do, <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, that I haven't listed here, and that is number one, pray. Will you, will you dedicate yourself from now to Easter to pray specifically for the Easter service, okay? Pray for Pastor Michael, for the anointing over him, for the worship team, for the workers. I believe, I am asking God to give us the single biggest day of salvations. Can you agree with that with me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want the biggest attendance, yeah. But I, I would love to see this Easter for us to celebrate more people being saved one day 
at true life than ever before. I just, man, as Michael would say, heaven gets bigger and hell gets smaller in one day. Invite on your chair and out in the lobby, there's these little cards. Pick some up. Invite them. If you go to a restaurant, invite your waiter or waitress. Unless you are cheap and you leave a lousy tip, do not associate with True Life Church, okay? Don't do that. And the last thing, and that's important as well, when you get here on Easter, celebrate. Celebrate like you've never celebrated before. Worship. Maybe get a little movement when you're worshiping. It's okay. David danced before the Lord. And when you come in that day, lift your hands, praise God, sing, celebrate. You know, I always think the disciples, he told them in three days, this temple, I'm going to raise it back up. And none of them showed up. I can never understand why they didn't have bleachers set up and they weren't there waiting for that stone to roll away and for him to rise. I mean, people there, peanuts, popcorn, get your cold orange juice. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, really, celebrate that day, every day actually, but that day especially, celebrate like you're standing in front of the tomb. And that stone starts to roll. I mean, make the worship team nervous, okay? Let's do that. Celebrate like never before. Okay, we're going to talk about miracles, miracles, miracles. And today, the miracles, I just entitled it, It's Not Over Till He Says It's Over. It's Not Over Till He Says It's Over. I, I, I shared, I'll, I'll share this real quickly. Uh, a church I was pastoring a few years ago. Um, I, I had my Sunday service already. Everything was good. I had my notes. I even had, we didn't have it on the phone, but I had a bulletin that would pass out. They could fill in the blanks. It's all ready to go. And about 20 minutes before the service, the Lord laid us uh, something on my heart to change everything. And I changed everything and in about 20 minutes wrote a sermon called, It's Not Over Till He Says It's Over. I'm not preaching that sermon today, just kind of stealing the title. And what I didn't know was that Sunday as I got up to preach, I looked out in the congregation and there was a lady there and her husband and I hadn't seen her in years, years. They had been at the beginning of the founding of the church, but they had drifted away and had drifted away from the Lord and were not serving the Lord. Matter of fact, this wasn't the same husband she had back then. They had divorced and she got remarried. Anyway, but she was there and I went, oh, her name was Mary. And I thought, it's good to see Mary again here. Huh. And she really paid attention. And at the end, when I prayed, she lifted her hand. She came down to the front surrendered her heart to Jesus Christ and then she shared with me Pastor Perry I got to tell you this I came today because I'm in between stage three and stage four cancer and they've only given me a few weeks to live and you just preached a sermon saying it's not over till he says it's over I needed to hear this I would love to say it was a great ending to the story. It was because she gave her heart to Jesus Christ but she didn't have a few weeks to live God gave her a few more years At times, though, she would come to church so sick. And at the church I was pastoring, right off to the the right, would be my right, we had a prayer room. It was like a living room set up. And we could go and pray with people over there. And there was a door right there. And there sometimes she would come so sick, but she didn't want to miss church. She would go to the prayer room with a bucket and sit in her recliner in there so she could watch the service going on. 
And God gave her more years. God gave her more time. And eventually she did go home to be with the Lord. But she went home to be with the Lord as a fervent, vibrant servant of God. That was the first time I used this topic. It's not over till he says it's over. And with miracles, miracles bring about some controversy. Because there are some people that believe that miracles are not for today. There's whole churches that teach that miracles, along with other things, died out with the disciples. And he's no longer working miracles today. I do want to let you know this. Uh, that is not true life. We believe in miracles, and we have experienced miracles here at True Life. You've heard Michael share some of them. The miracle that we're at, where we're at right now, is a miracle, and Pastor shared it uh, many times, and I'm sure he'll share it many more times, but I've seen God do so many miracles, so many. I've shared this miracle before, but a lot of you are new, so I'll share it again. When, when Penny and I got married, we were in college. And we got married after our freshman year because she couldn't resist me. Uh, but the, the truth is, I couldn't have dated three more years and passed my classes uh, because I couldn't multitask. Uh, but uh, we got married, and about maybe the second year, we were broke. I mean, we were, when I'm talking broke, we were broke, broke. It was the summertime, we were both working full time at the school, uh, taking a couple of classes. Uh, and uh, I was on, I went to Lee University. I was on the Lee University Ecological Improvement Agency. That's a janitor for those of you who don't know. Uh, uh, but we got so broke that one day we opened the cupboard up. I'm getting ready to leave for work. It's in the morning. And there was a pack of crackers, saltine crackers. And that was it. I, I mean, that was it, it, other than condiments. We had some mustard and ketchup and stuff like that. And uh, uh, that was it. And I can remember thinking, we're working at a mission church on, on, on the poor side of town. We're ministering to kids every week. We've got a bus ministry going. We're doing all, the, we're giving our tithes and we're giving our offerings. And that day I manned up and I just said, God, I told Penny, Penny, you can have the crackers because that's the kind of husband I am. <laughs> just a handful of crackers. I said, God, and I made a declaration. I am not going to eat another bite until you supply. You said, given it shall be given. You said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. You said you would take care of our every need. And I am, doing, I am not going to eat again if I have to starve to death. I am going on a fast, which is easy to do when you have no food. Uh, so don't say... Boy, I wish I could do that, Pastor. No, I, but I declared a fast. And I went on to work, and one of my coworkers named Chuck, uh, Chuck comes in, and he had been on vacation. And he said, hey, Perry, how's it going? You want to ha have lunch today? I said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm fasting. <laughs> and he said, oh, well, I got something for you. He said, I went home on vacation. My mom works at a packing plant, can a cannery. And she gets all the mismarked, mismatched. They're good, but maybe the label's a little crooked, you know? And she's, I got vegetables, and I've got fruit, and I've got all of these cans and boxes as well of stuff. I, I'd like to give you a couple of boxes of them. It's more than I'll ever be able to eat. And I'm like, dog, that sounds, yeah, all right, yeah, we'll take that. 
And, and so he said, come on over. So I go over to his apartment. He gives me a couple of boxes. I don't know how many. Filled our little Ford Fiesta up. And then he said, and you know, my dad raises cattle. And he gave me a whole bunch of beef. And I got this little bitty freezer in my apartment. There is no way. We got a big one in our apartment. <laughs> and he says, I'd like to give you all the rest of this beef. And I'm talking T-bone, steak, sirloins, roast, burger. I mean, we're like, it's like a jigsaw. We're stuffing the beef. And the rest is in the refrigerator. So I come home after lunch and I bring all this stuff in. And I said, honey, the fast is over. <laughs> It was the most effective and shortest fast I've ever been on in my life. What are you saying? That was a miracle. That was a miracle that God did in my life. The uh, psalm said this, 7714 in the Living Bible. You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. I want you to understand this. Say that with me. You are and you still Understand this with miracles. We tell God, God, you are the God of miracles and you still do it. Amen. You need to keep that in the back of your mind here because God can and God will. You are and you do. God, you're the God of miracles. You still do that. In Job, he says, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that cannot be counted. He performs miracles that word miracle means beyond your own power, okay? That's just like broke down as simple as it can be, beyond your own powers. It means to take a difficult thing and make it wonderful. I mean, we went from crackers to, to T-bone steaks, you know? That's pretty wonderful for me. If you're a vegetarian, we, we had some green beans and stuff too, okay? Uh, by definition, a miracle is the supernatural intervention of God. It is the supernatural intervention of God. When you need something supernatural, God says, let, let me get in here and let me do this for you. He intervenes in your life. He comes in. He had Chuck that day intervene with the miracle that he had in store for me. Now, all miracles aren't that way. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Some of them are a little different. But everyone, anyone here, you can experience a miracle. Anyone here. Would anybody here like to experience a miracle today? I believe he has one for you. So, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the great miracles of, of the Bible, and that is the story of Lazarus. In John 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Those two women will pay a big role in this today. But I, I wanted to focus on this, on, on the sick part. On, on the sick part. The problem is this. Everyone wants to experience a miracle, but none of us want to experience problems. But miracles are birthed out of problems, okay? The, 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 the food that came that day that Chuck brought to, to us, it, there was a problem behind it. The problem was we didn't have food. Now, we could have got on the phone and we could have called our parents and they would have sent money and they would have sent a care package. 
which they did. My aunt, my grandmother, all of my aunt Janet, my grandmom, uh, uh, mom, they, they would send care packages ever so often. But they just did it because we were awesome kids. Uh, but uh, uh, they could have done that. But this was a time where I'm like, no, God, we're obeying your word. We need you to perform a miracle here. We need you to do what your word has said you're going to do. And, and that's the way we approached it with that. And Lazarus was sick. Listen, faith is not denying that there's a problem. You know, there's a, a, a faith movement, which, which I've been a part of in, in my life. But what happens sometimes with a good teaching, it gets watered down or polluted over the years. So faith says, I'm going to believe God regardless. And this great teacher of faith will teach that. And then another person will come along and teach it and turn it a little bit, maybe to make it a little bit more profitable for themselves, and then somebody else will teach it from that, and before long, you have a corrupted teaching that started out good, and then ended up with all these crazy teachings on things. Faith does not deny the problem. In other words, if I'm sick, I'm not going, you know, people, well, don't say you're sick. Why? I'm sick. No, you're confessing sick. No, I am sick, but what I am saying is by his stripes, I'm healed. I don't go around quoting by his stripes, I'm healed when I'm feeling well. Amen? It's the prayer, it's, it's applying the word to the need. So I hope you understand what I'm trying to say there. So faith doesn't deny the problem exists. Listen to, I, I listened to several sermons on miracles this last couple of weeks. So I, I didn't write the, the minister's name down that wrote this. I wish I had, but just letting you know, this brain didn't say this. Problems are that the soil, uh, problems are the soil where the power of God flourishes. We're going to talk about Lazarus who was dead. That's a problem. Okay. We were hungry. That's a problem. Anytime I've experienced a miracle, there was a problem that that miracle was birthed in. That's the soil where it's at. So when you got a problem, don't look at it like, oh no, woe is me. Nope, we've got a garden now. God needs to grow something. There's a miracle there. We'll talk about the areas of your life. So let's go on with scripture. John eleven two. 2. Now this Mary, whose brother was Lazarus, uh, now, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Now again, Mary, you know, Mary, she broke open the perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, dried his feet with her hair. Uh, Martha was like, that's a lot of money there. What are you doing? Uh, so you got these two sisters and uh, they're in this. But, but the last part of that is what I want you to look at. They said to Jesus, the one you love is sick. They didn't say, Jesus, Lazarus, the one that loved you so much and has done so much for you and has been so kind for you. They said, no, Jesus, you know, the one you love. That's important here because sometimes we don't feel worthy of a miracle. We don't feel like God should do anything for us because we've messed up in this area or that area. Let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. You qualify for a miracle. Okay? Well, but I messed up. I don't read my Bible as much as, as Pastor Perry, or I don't read, I don't pray as much as Pastor Amanda or Pastor Mike, or I don't do this as much as this one. You know, Jesus loves you. 
you're a candidate for a miracle. Okay? You're a candidate for a miracle. There's some things it takes to, to, to get that miracle, but you're a candidate for that miracle. The thing that moves God's heart is God's heart. He is so filled with love, he wants to do something for his children. He does these things because he loves you, not because you've checked so many boxes off. That's why. And some of you haven't received a miracle because you think you're unworthy to receive a miracle. If God is in your heart, he loves you. Matter of fact, he loves you before he's in your heart. Before you surrender to him. I've seen God perform miracles in lives. I'm like, they didn't deserve that. You know, I didn't deserve it. It's not based on performance. It's based on his love for you. So, in John eleven four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end. That word end is important. End in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified throughout it. This sickness will not end in death. He didn't say there wouldn't be death, but death wouldn't be the final thing here for Lazarus. It's not going to end in death. In my interpretation of this, Jesus is saying, no, it's not going to end up with Lazarus being dead. It's going to be something that's going to be talked about for generations to come. This is going to be pretty amazing. And so he's setting them up here. And, and, you know, so when we look at that, understand this. God has a miracle for you. Whatever that problem is you're facing, God has a miracle for you, but it may not be the way that you want it to be. And that is the miracle killers. Here's two or three things that will kill a miracle in your life before it's ever birthed. And let's start with John eleven six. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Hmm. Hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Now, Jesus had been going about healing people. He just performed the miracle of being out on the boat and them catching a bunch of fish so much that the boats almost sank. And he had been healing blind men. He had been healing, healing the lame. He had been healing leprosy. He had been healing a lot of different things. And they said, Lazarus is sick. Let's go. And he said, ah, let's stay here for a couple more days. <laughs> let's stay here for a couple more days. Pretty amazing that he would say that, but we'll see why in just a minute. Listen, we don't always understand how God works. We don't understand God's timing and method is different from ours. The way he does things is just different. His perspective is so different than ours. He has a divine strategy. In Isaiah 55, it says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't understand why God does things some ways. But I'm glad he does. Because when we look back on what God has done, we see the miracle that he has done. And we understand. I remember one time we were getting ready to buy our house. And we, didn't have, again, didn't have a lot of money. And uh, I was working a job. And there was this one particular machine that I knew how to run. There was only two other guys in the whole factory that knew how to run this little precision machine. And uh, 
And, it, and the result of what we were doing literally would produce millions of dollars worth of product. And I had trained on it and got approved for it. There was only three of us. So we worked 24 hours, eight-hour shifts, eight-hour shifts. No overtime. And we always had overtime, but at this time, no overtime. We had just been through a season of great overtime where, where, where things, but this thing happened. Well, one of the guys took a leave of absence. And so the boss came to me and said, we got to keep this machine running. Perry, I need you to start working 12-hour shifts. And the other guy, he says, I need you to start working 12-hour shifts. And you're going to work that from now on until I tell you different. Boom. So all of a sudden, I'm working. Nobody's getting overtime. But yours truly and one other guy. Well, that was just hard work. No, that was a miracle. God knew what we needed, and he grew that plan up that way. You see, we think a miracle is just when God hands it to us. Sometimes it's when God provides a way for us to get it another way. Amen? That's why when you're sick, I, you know, if I go to the hospital and visit you or pray for you, I'm going to pray for you, but I'm also going to pray for the doctor that's working on you. I don't care how you get better. Amen? I don't care. I would prefer God heal you, just out and out heal you. But thank God for good doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals that God puts it in their mind how to do those things. Amen. Understand how God works. So, John eleven thirteen. After he had said that, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go up there and wake him up. Now, this word here, fallen asleep, Jesus is telling them he's dead. But he's being nice about it. You know, we say, they've passed on. They have gone on to their reward. They have gone on to something better. They're not with us anymore. They're dead. <laughs> Jesus says, he's fallen asleep. And that is like what they used to call the great sleep. He's fallen asleep. I'm going to go there and wake him up. <laughs> I'm going to perform a miracle there. We don't always see what God is even saying when God speaks to us. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Isn't that what mama says? Go lay down for a little while. I'll, I'll, I'll get you some ginger ale. If he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant a natural sleep. Mm. Listen, we get consumed with doubt. When, you know, well, I'm going to go wake him up. Oh, he's just talking. He's, he, God has shown Jesus that Lazarus is just napping. He's not even, he's just napping. He's going to go wake him up. And then they realize that he is talking about death. He's talking about him dying and in 16, then Thomas called Didymus, I should have just put doubting, uh, called doubting Thomas, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That is so positive. <laughs> that we may die with him. When Jesus reveals to them and they finally catch, oh, oh, you're not talking about, you're talking about dead. Thomas said, well, we might as well go there and die too. I mean, we've already waited two days. They're going to be so mad at us. They're going to be so ticked off at us. We, let's just go there and die and get it over with. Have you ever been around negative people like that? 
I just don't like being around negative people. I just don't. I, 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 I'm a pretty positive person. You know, I, I see the upside of things. It's just my, part of my personality, but really it's part of my faith that I've seen God do the impossible. But you get around negative people, they will rob your miracle. They absolutely will rob your miracle. You know, maybe, you know, some of you are struggling with doubt right now. You know God's promises, you know, I, I told the freedom group last week, you know, that sometimes God tells us to do stuff and it doesn't always make sense. You know, God has always supplied all, Penny and I are every need. There have been times there has been lack, but God has always come through and blessed us and got us on our feet no matter what. But God tells us to do something. He tells us to give our tithes and offerings. Isn't that like, like counteractive to filling your bank count up? I mean, in the natural mind, you, you want to fill your bank account up, why don't you give away 10% of it? You know, mathematically, it doesn't make sense. But I'm going to tell you what, ever since Penny and I have been tithing, and we've been doing that right from the outset of our marriage, God has always provided for us exceedingly abundantly above more than we could ask or even think of. God is always supplied. But maybe some of you doubt that. And if you get around other people that, that have that negative mindset, life maybe has slapped you in the face pretty hard in some areas. I've been there. I have the, the, the handprints. When it happens, what you need to do is surround yourself with faith-filled believers. Story, some of you, again, have heard this. Why are you telling it then? Because some of you hadn't heard it. And if I want to tell you new things, I either have to have new experiences or start making things up and lying to you. Then pastor will do a series on repentance and lying. But a few years ago, I was working in the yard doing some stuff with a friend. And an accident happened. I don't want to gross anybody out. But I cut one of my fingers off. Uh, not the whole thing, like 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 this much of it, like just above the knuckle. And uh, just, whop, it's gone. And so I did what all of you would have done. I very calmly picked it up, put it back on, <laughs> told my friend, go in the house. Actually, I did just like this. I said, please go in the house. Uh, and he went, what? I said, I cut my finger off. And he's, like, he's laughing at me, laughing. Good friend. I said, <laughs> until he walked around the corner and he seen, looked like, you know, Jason versus, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, the horror films. And he went, oh my God. <laughs> I said, go in the house, get Penny, tell her to get her pocketbook and her wallet and her insurance card and a wet washcloth. She's taking me to the hospital. Penny comes out. <laughs> I get in the car and we go to the hospital and I'm still, I guess the endorphins and the adrenaline is running so high. I'm not even feeling pain. Until we get to the Wawa right before Christiana Hospital. And then all of a sudden I started seeing stars. And they're knocking on the window. Mr. Mears, we're going to open the door now and let you out. And I go in. The doctor looks at it. He just pulls the rag back and gives me a shot for pain. And I sit in that room for like three hours in the hallway and finally, when they take me into x-ray, the girl says, hold your hand up on the x-ray machine, and I'm holding my finger, and she says, take the finger off, uh, take the hand off the finger, and I said, no, if I let go, it'll fall off. You men are all big babies. All you have is a cut. That's what they put on the record. I had a laceration. You're big babies. Take your hand off. You know, it's not going anywhere, so I took it off. The finger fell off again. 
And she had a trainee with her who ran out of the room. And she said, oh my God, they have the wrong surgeon lined up for you. We've got to get a different surgeon. And they get on the phone. Those three hours had passed. The surgeon who was now on duty was the foremost hand surgeon in the tri-state area. And he came in. He told me. He said, boy, you're lucky. I'm the best of the best. Looked at Penny and said, you want me to, you want to watch me reattach it? And Penny said, no. <laughs> anyway, they attach the finger, go through therapy for weeks and weeks. And uh, by the way, that's the finger. Who's, you know, can't even tell. Uh, yeah. The last visit at the doctor, I go into his office. He says, this is it. You're good. I can type. I can do all the stuff. I don't have any pain. I don't have any, you know. And he said, he said to me, he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, when I attached your finger, I really thought within two or three weeks, you would come back and I would have to take it off. It was black when they put it on me. And I'm not black, if you didn't know. Uh, He said, I really didn't think it would take. I didn't think it would. And not to be able to reattach the nerves and everything. And I said, Doc, I want to tell you something. First and foremost, I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord, who I believe made those nerves go back together and made everything work. And I thank you, second. He called his whole staff in. Everybody, shut everything down. Whole staff in the room. They're packed in there. And he said, Tell them what you said. So I said, I thank my Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for causing my finger to heal up. And I thank Doc for attaching it. He said, y'all hear that? God first, me second. <laughs> what are you saying? Here's why the miracle happened. I believe this. When we were on the way to the hospital, I started giving Penny a list of who to call. Call this person, this person, this person. Tell them to get into prayer, to get on their faces before God and start claiming healing that this finger is going to be reattached. It's going to work. I'm not going to lose any function in it. That it is going to be there. Do not call this person. All they'll do is feel sorry for me. I want people who are going to get before God. They're going to believe God. They're going to trust God. They're not going to doubt. They're not going to be negative. They are going to believe it's going to happen. And that's why the miracle happened. Because I didn't surround myself with negative people that would rob my faith. We were in the store like two weeks later. And as we were in the store, uh, this guy walks up to me and he sees all the bandage. He said, huh, did you have a finger reattached? I said, yeah. He said, yeah. And he goes like this. It don't usually work. They have to take it back off. <laughs> we get consumed with doubt. Don't do that. Let me move fast here. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he's the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Don't let your faith be robbed. You need to trust God. Surround yourself with positive people. We make the mistake of surrounding ourselves with doubters. It feeds our doubt and it starves our faith. There will always be doubters. There will always be people that will be negative. They will steal your miracle from you. Listen, Matthew 28, 17. They even did this with Jesus. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted right to the face of Jesus. 
Here's the next thing. We give up on God. Sometimes right before the miracle is about to be birthed. We give up on God. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. For the first time this week when I read that, it hit me. Jesus stayed behind for two days. It didn't matter. He had already, he was dead for four days. So if he had left right at that moment, the only difference was they would have said, Jesus, he'd been dead for two days. So it wouldn't have changed the outcome of him living or dying. He was already dead. But in Jewish tradition and superstition, I'll call it superstition, what it was, they believed that when somebody died, their spirit hovered over the place for three days. Jesus said, I'm going to blow that right out of water. I'm going to just let him stay there. I'm going to stay a couple extra days. Jesus already knew he was dead. But he said, I'm going to stay a couple extra days to show them this isn't just his spirit coming back into his body like they like to believe. We give up on God. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, Martha, she was the one that was too busy before. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Listen, what is it that's in my life that is dead or dying? Maybe perhaps Mary gave up. She stayed home. Some of you listening, maybe you're about to give up or have given up on something. Maybe you look at your marriage and you say, my marriage is four days dead. Maybe you look at your finances and you say, my finances are four days dead. Maybe you look at a relationship with a parent, with a child, with a brother, with a sister, and you say that relationship is four days dead. The spirit is gone out of it. Maybe the doctors gave you a diagnosis and it's not the diagnosis you want. And you say, what they're telling me says that my hope and my future and my situation is four days dead. But the days don't matter with God. He's got a miracle that's being birthed in the soil of your problem. Somebody say, amen. What in your life is dead or dying? Remember, Jesus said in the beginning, this sickness will not end in death. And I'm telling you, God has a miracle. And God can take what looks dead and he can still deliver it to life. It's not over till he says it's over. It's not over till he says it's over. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let me tell you this. We're all, I know this is bad news, but this is scientific. They did a survey and they found, with the exception of a couple of people in history, that 100 out of every 100 people will die. It's going to happen. The problem is, there are some of those that never live. That's why I'm so excited. I am so excited. Listen, I, bear with me a couple of minutes. I just got to say this. Those who don't know, maybe you weren't here last week. I met somebody new uh, before service today, first service here. And so glad you're here today. And, and uh, you know, I got saved 43 years ago, something like that. 43 years ago, preached my first sermon when I was 15 years old, started pastoring in my early 20s, 
Penny and I have started churches from the beginning. We've built churches. We had a miracle one time where a business built a church for us. Million dollar building. That was 30 years ago. And gave it to us turnkey. A business did that. Yeah. I've seen the miracles of God over the years. And you all know the story. I won't go into it. I don't have the time today. But a few years ago, I got really sick. I had to step down as a senior pastor. A church that I had started, that Penny and I had started, and had grown it over the years, and pastored 20-some years there. And, and True Life became our home. First is just a place to attend. I, was, I walked with a cane. I was so sick and, and not even knowing if I would live, if I would move forward with life. Uh, and, and that hovered over me. And then over the last seven years, God has strengthened my body. He strengthened my spirit. There was also a lot of pain and anguish and hurt that took place from some people who weren't always kind to us. And this church helped heal us. And I've been able to preach and minister. And Penny and I have taught small groups of freedom and different things. And this coming Thursday, I'm off the next three days. Well, I've got a funeral to do. But I've got, by the way, Caitlin's grandmother passed away. Show her a little love when you see her. Uh, but uh, on Thursday, when I go back to work, I work a half a day at the bank. And I will hand in all of my equipment, all of my computers. And the next day, I am full-time staff here. And you know Why? Because the rest of my life, I want to live. I want to bring life into people's life. I want to get people out of death. I want to get people with get their miracles. Amen. Do you believe this, he said. Yes, I do. Listen, this is what we need, three things. You need to settle in your heart who Jesus is. You need to settle in your heart who Jesus is. Martha answered his question. I believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God, who has come into this world. You are the Christos. You're the anointed one. I like that word Christ. The one furnished with the powers necessary to accomplish. And the Greek ends right there. Accomplish what? Yeah, fill in the blank. The one with the powers necessary to accomplish. Martha wanted a different outcome. She wanted Lazarus healed. We all would have wanted that to happen. Jesus had a bigger purpose. She didn't want her brother to die. Nobody would. She had an expectance that God was going to heal him. But God had something else. I'm sorry, she had an expectation the expectation was, okay, God, here's the need. Fill it this way. Have you ever filled your list out for God? God, I need a miracle. And you know what? Just so you don't have to spend too much time on it, I'm going to tell you how to do the miracle. This, this is the way you're going to do it. And God says, no, 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 no. I got a bigger miracle for you. I mean, it's a miracle I'm married to Penny. It really is. Because I, I thought I was going to marry somebody else, and God put a stop to that. <laughs> really did. And I thank Jesus every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I really, because nobody else could have put up with me with this. Listen, when we try to tell God how to do his miracle, when we try to tell him how to do the miracle, we put him in a box. Our hope does not need to be in the outcome. Our hope needs to be in Jesus. Let's move on. 
Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha's starting to catch it. <laughs> whatever you want, you can, it's in your hands. That's what she says. It's in your hands. He's a, he wouldn't have died, but I know. I'm going to just tell you this. Get your butt in the right place. But I know. When you're going through what you're going through right now, and some of you are going through difficult times, say this to God. God, this is really bad. I'm having a hard time dealing with this. My faith is being, but I know you're in control. And I give you full control. I'm not going to try to steer it. Her hope was not in the outcome, but the one who brings. Just two more things real quick. Stop analyzing everything. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop analyzing everything. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. There it is. It's all all right there. Jesus said, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he's been dead four days. This is where I love the King James more than the NIV. Because in the King James it says, For by this time he stinketh. (laughs) Doesn't that sound better? (laughs) There's a bad odor. He's rotten. He's stinking. It's there. There's no way. You want us to open the tomb? Why? So we can gross out? Quit trying to figure it out. When God tells you to do something, do it. Our BB brains can't always figure it out. Trust God that he has your best interest at heart. And the last part is this. Start living again. Don't just the miracle itself. Start living again. Start it. Lazarus had a choice. I never thought about this till I read this this time. Lazarus had a choice. He gets out there and, and, and he, he speaks to him. Let me, let me read the scripture first. And Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Somebody said one time, a preacher said, you know, there was a reason why he said, Lazarus, come forth. If he had just said, come forth, then all the graves would have opened up. But he yells. But before this, there's a scripture I didn't include in here. The shortest scripture in the Bible. It says that Jesus prayed and he wept. He didn't like Lazarus being dead either. He wept over his friend. But Lazarus had a choice. When he hears, Lazarus, come forth. He could have stayed in the tomb. He didn't say, go drag him out of there. You don't have to receive a miracle. You can stay where you're at. You can be miserable and doubtful and not get what God has for you. You can stay in the tomb and a tomb is always defined by death. Or you can come out of the surroundings and be defined by life. Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. You need a miracle in your finances. You need a miracle in your health. Step out of the tomb and be defined by life.
And how do I do that? After you come out of the tomb, notice, he tells them, the people there, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The miracle of me coming here and being on staff, it's what I've always wanted to do my whole life, and that's minister for Jesus full time and to put everything I've got into it and not just part-time effort, you know, when I'm not exhausted after an eight or nine or 10 hour day. It's all I've wanted to do my whole life. You know why I can do it? Not because the church just has money to throw around and said, let's just get another staff member, what the heck? Because this church, when I came here hurting and in pain and beat up and not even wanting to live, this church took the grave cloths off of me. They took the death off of me. Jesus said, take the grave clothes off and loose him. It took a while. I'm hard-headed. But the grave clothes are gone. What are you dressed in? What is it that you're dressed in? I feel today some of you are sitting there and you're feeling like, I need that miracle, Pastor Perry. When you get out of it, when you get out of the death trap, you need people around you. You need people that will help you. You need to get in a small group. You need to get counseling. Surround yourself with friends. Lazarus could have stayed in the grave, but God stepped in. The last thing I want to tell you is this. The greatest miracle I've ever experienced, and like I said, I could speak for hours on the miracles God's done in my life over the last 43 years, 44 years, whatever. He was doing miracles in my life before I became a Christian. He was putting people in my path, praying for me that I didn't know about. The greatest miracle was 43 years ago on February the 26th when I came to an old-fashioned altar and I knelt and I surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ and he forgave my sin and he made me a new creation. That's the greatest miracle that has ever happened to me. And I want you to do this right now. Just if you would bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you need that miracle, you need that miracle of Jesus forgiving your sin and giving you new life. And you would like to experience that. Just real quickly, would you lift your hand? Anybody here today? Amen, 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 amen. Hands going up all over the place this morning. I want you just to pray this prayer with me. Because why? We're saying it together because we're going to help you take those grave clothes off. Whole church, everybody in the church, I want you just to say this with me. Let's help our, our, our family members, new family members here. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me a new person. I surrender to you and I make you the Lord of my life in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Before we pray another prayer, one last prayer, could we just welcome everybody into the family of God? Several lifted their hands. We did this in the first service, and I wasn't going to do it this service, but I just feel this. That, that thing about helping someone get those grave clothes off because it's so real to me. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Perry, right now I'm that four days dead in some area in my life. Fill in the blank. And I need a miracle. Would you be bold enough just to lift your hand real quick? Amen. 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 Others, don't be embarrassed. Amen. Anybody else? I'll tell you, at times I need a miracle. Amen. Amen. Still see hands going up. I'm going to ask you to do something real bold before the worship team comes in a moment. Pastor Amanda's going to come, and she's going to tell you what to do if you made that commitment to Christ today. But if you lifted your hand, I just want you to stand right. I'm not going to bring you down front. I just want you to stand up and say, I'm standing today because I want to walk out, and I want that miracle in my life. Just real quickly, can you do that? Just stand up. Amen. Amen. All over the place. Be brave. Be brave. Because I'm going to have everybody else stand up. If you see somebody standing, could you just put a hand on their shoulder just to say, I'm going to pray for you to get that miracle. Just go ahead and move around. The rest of you, stand up. The rest of you, stand up. Find somebody standing and just put a hand on a shoulder. And we're just going to pray that miracle in their life. And if somebody didn't get to you or standing, See me afterwards, I'll pray for you. But I'm praying for you now. Father God, I thank you and praise you that you are still the God of miracles. I thank you for all of those that received you as Lord and Savior. But Lord, there's some today that they need that mighty work of God, the supernatural intervention in their life, God. So I just pray blessings over them right now. Whatever it is they are believing for, God, I pray that in that soil of their problem, you will grow a beautiful thing up out of that, God, and that they will be set free from any grave clothes, from any negativity, from any doubt, from anything that would hinder them from receiving. Lord, I thank you and I praise you, God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Can we celebrate? Amen, amen.